Welcome to the Social Propertypreneur Podcast. And here is your host, social media queen, property investor, and entrepreneur, Laura Muse. Hi, everybody. I've got two incredible guys who have really shaken up the property development world um, in a, quite a short period of time. Um, in their first year of business, they won a, a prestigious Deal of the Year award. And I'm delighted to welcome Andy Cook and Lloyd Girardi. Hi, how, are you? how are you doing, Laura? I'm good, are you? Yeah, we're really good, yeah. Good. Good. Um, so, obviously, if people don't know who you are, where the hell have they been? Um, you have completely <laughs> stormed the property development world, um, really creating a movement of people. Um, you've got backgrounds in property prior to setting up White Box. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, to a degree, yeah. yeah. So, Andy, you obviously had a very successful construction company, and Lloyd, you worked for Taylor Wimpy. So, at what point were you obviously doing them roles, and then how did White Box come around? What was the trigger to do that, set that up? Okay, well, if I, if I start, I'll sort of st yeah. tell you where I started from, and then um, Lloyd can give you his bit of background, and then we'll tell you how that turned into White Box. Um, oh. But yeah, so you say that, uh, well, you described that very generously as a, a very successful. Um, building company whatever but you know that started in 2007 and really that was just me on my own and it was you know I was a sole trader out there as a, as a carpenter but um, a carpenter that I wasn't really in the building trade as such I was working doing sort of set building and work for audio visual companies around hotels and things like that so not necessarily in um, in traditionally in the building industry but then in 2007 I, I left that job quite abruptly and I um, I set up Redbox Developments that that is now, okay. um, but as I say, it was literally just just me in a, a car originally, then a van, and just a, a bit of a yes man, just said yes to anything that came along, even though I'd probably never done it before, doing um, kitchens, bathrooms, and anything that came along really. And then I I, I did that for a couple of years, um, I got got sort of quite proficient at that, and then I decided to go into the sort of bigger building jobs or you know the extensions and all that kind of thing um I started that was a big step for me though because I'd never really sort of managed teams of other subcontractors and all that kind of thing and sort of took on that role um but yeah we started doing a lot of those getting getting better at those and then in 2012 I um I built my first house which actually I'm sitting in now it was our, our own house as a self-build um but that was the first house I ever built and then we went back to doing extensions and things again and by this time we were kind of building big houses on the side of houses if you like um but still extensions essentially and um and then in 2000 very very late 2013 to start of 2014 um i'd sort of met lloyd by now he'd, he'd he'd started going out with my cousin a couple of years beforehand and sort of seen him at like you know family dues and things like that and um yeah he, he approached me about wanting to set his own business up and sort of that led us looking into into property really but yeah lord you give us a bit of background on where you you'd come from before that yeah that's really so um i know laura you mentioned about taylor wimpy um is kind of who i worked for but that was that was 2006 i worked for them and it was for about six to nine months um wow. it was the first <laughs> the first proper job i suppose i had um after i came back from traveling so i went to new zealand australia did that and my mum my mum worked for taylor wimpy at the time so she got me a job in the sales show homes oh, yeah. um, so it was nothing to do with the build side I haven't got a clue how to build a house and I haven't got any intention to learning how to build a house either um, 
<laughs> but yeah, for me, I, I worked there for, I'd say, six to nine months. Then I went to go and work for the mortgage broker that was associated with Taylor Wimpy at the time. Oh, okay. um, went to them for, again, probably nine months. And that was 2007. And obviously, what we didn't know at that time is there was going to be a massive recession. Um, but I got made redundant just before that. So kind of in hindsight, is quite, I'd uh, say, fortunate, really. But things, everything happens for a reason. But um, I, I then went to go and work for a LED company or lighting company um in a sales job and I worked there for again three two three years um and then it was sort of 2012 13 that I just really the idea of starting a business again kind of emerged and I've always wanted a business of my own um, but I've always worked for other people at that time yeah. um and it wasn't until 2013 that it really came back that that whole drive of starting a business and it was only uh, well, it was unfortunately, my dad passed away in November 2013, and it was kind of that that moment for me. I thought, you know, well, why am I why am I not doing what I've always wanted to do? And it it took a moment like that to actually give me a bit of a, a life lesson and life realization. Yeah. Um, so I just helped Andy with his light, with his house um, by installing the lights and or designing the lights for his house. Yeah. So I, was, I approached Andy and said, Look, I want to start a business. You've got Redbox. How did you start Redbox? Um, how did you actually get going and start a business? Because I want to start a business. And obviously my dad just sort of passed away. Um, I just asked him how to start basically. And he gave me a few pointers, but it was the same time that he was looking at property investing. Right. So he had two free tickets to a property seminar. He said, look, you want to start a business? I'm looking at investing. Maybe it's some, something we could look at together. Um, and kind of just went from there and attended the, the three-day event and, I suppose the rest from there is history, but um, that's kind of how it started for us. It's, it's, I can completely relate to what you said about your dad, and I am sorry to hear that because um, I, I lost my mum, and up until that point, I'd always been employed, and it was yeah. that life-changing event. And we, me and my husband were like, "What are we doing? We need to change. What we we need to get out of this rat race and create something for ourselves." So it's. It, yeah. It's funny sometimes how these massive life-changing events just trigger something in your brain and put you on a completely different path. Just a shame sometimes that they have to happen to do it. Yeah, and, and obviously we start training people and we've trained a lot of people now. And the reason I like to try and get them to do what I've wanted to do for a long time is because like, my dad can never see what I've done. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a, it's not a regret that I didn't start earlier, but it kind of he was the one that helped me start it and I haven't got I can't show him how how we've done anything and what we've done so if I can help other people start before a moment like that hopefully nothing like that happens to people but if it does I don't want that to be the driver that thinks yeah. you know I'll start now because you can start anytime you can start now without anything like that happening no I'm great so did you expect this to happen? White Box is huge in the development world. You've got so many people, like so many cheerleaders, should we say, you know, you've got a massive following of people. Did you ever expect this to happen? Was this the plan or has this organically evolved? No, it's, um, it's, it's never the it, plan. It's just, <laughs> a, it, it's just evolved. That We just wanted to get in the property. We didn't know, you know, when we attended that first three days that, that Lloyd mentioned there and it sort of highlighted seven or eight different ways that you could you could um 
work in property, if you like, as a property investor. And, you know, we didn't even know any of those things existed in, in the end of 2013, start of 2014. And it was, it was just an education to us from the start. Um, but yeah, we didn't have a vision of any of this. We just sort of wanted to, um, we, we initially looked at doing a few single buy to lets to us at the time. It was, um, if you had a HMO call, you're a demigod. It was a, you know, that was a, that was a, a, a really advanced strategy to us. And, you know, if you had a few HMOs call, you really must be going somewhere. And, and then the heady heights of maybe doing a commercial conversion, but that was seen as you had to be really experienced to do a commercial conversion in those days. No one had really talked about serviced accommodation and and all of those things um and you know it is only i suppose five maybe six years ago uh, well six years ago now um but a lot's happened in that six years and you know we've 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 gone through an amazing journey ourselves through obviously property and also sort of self-development and um and you know our, our, our own personal routines and things like that and you know, but you can't do it all in one go you have to go through you know, you, you tackle the first few things, make a few mistakes the first year, and then that evolves into something else the second year, and then you learn a little bit more the third year, and you know, and we've pretty much done most of the strategies now, haven't we, Lloyd? Yeah, we've um, we've certainly tried a few. Yeah. So, what was the point that you thought new builds are for you? Um, pretty much straight away. <laughs> I know Andy, <laughs> Andy thought I went through that. Um, but we can't. We we took everything in. I think that's the most important thing. We we taught ourselves or got educated on um kind of what's out there um and we took everything on board and thought well the principles they're saying and they're talking to us about it just seems it seems simple it seems like you can borrow money from people simple you can go out and find property simple and we thought well um andy had found a plot of land in northampton um that was on right move but obviously there's no there's no deals on right move is there but, um <laughs> we found we found this one deal on right move and it was going to auction on the 19th of february 2014 we did the training on uh, january 2014 it's about wow. the end of january so it's like literally three weeks until we <laughs> that was brilliant and um no we literally looked at this deal and thought well why can't we why can't we do this deal and what the deal was was a plot of land in northampton and it had laps planning for eight houses. Um, obviously, Andy being sort of uh, in construction and having construction business, knew how to build a house, one house at least anyway, because he just built his own house. But um, we kind of looked at it, and for three weeks, we, I, I pretty much was around Andy's house constantly, around his dining room table, and we're analysing this this one deal, thinking, well, why can't we do it? What's what's kind of stopping us? And there's a YouTube video actually explaining that that one moment of, uh, or that three weeks of how do we do this deal? What's stopping us doing this deal? Um, and it was from there, really. We just thought, well, nothing really should stop us. Right? We looked at the deal. There was about, I think, £270,000 profit in it at that point. And even at that, we said, well, even if, let's say we overspend by two hundred and twenty grand, and there's fifty grand left in the deal, are we still prepared together to go through with it and only make fifty grand? Um and at the time, I was only earning 16 grand a year. So I was like, well, yeah, it's more than what I'm earning. So I am. <laughs> but um, obviously, the principle of it is, are we, are we prepared to go for a deal and not, and not get what we expected in the beginning? And we both said, yeah, we are. Um, even to the point of if it makes nothing and we just kind of get out what we put in, are we still prepared to do it? And we, we said, yeah. So if, if we're at that point, we're adamant on making 20, 25%, we probably wouldn't have done it. But because we were open to saying, well, 
yeah, things might go wrong. Let's just do it. Let's see how it happens. Um, I kind of I think that's what the mentality helped us get started. And I think also we were we were quite naive at that point yeah. in terms of developments. Um, we didn't know all the things that could go wrong or could happen, um, and we couldn't talk our, talk ourselves out of the deal. Whereas a lot of people now know well they think about the deal too much and they analyze it too much and they just talk themselves out of it when you don't know what's going to happen unless you go and do it so that was obviously your first deal can you tell me a little bit about a deal that you've had that's been really tough really difficult a lot of obstacles to overcome right that could be any deal more than the rest <laughs> no, but, I, but i think the principle of that you know i would like to cover that because you know lloyd just said there that a lot you know a lot of people talk themselves out you can talk yourselves out of any deal there's always a reason why you shouldn't do it and if you sit there chewing the figures enough you will find a reason not to do it and in fact that first one you know if we use that first one as a case study we made I wouldn't say every mistake in the book, but we made plenty of them in there. And, um, and you know, we still came out of it. And Lloyd just mentioned there that we, we had anticipated £270,000 profit on that one. Uh, but, you know, we were a bit naive. We we're, we're, were the first ones to tell you that. And we probably even knew that at the time. But we had the we had the um, the guts to go out there and do it. And, and to, you know, we didn't know all the hurdles we would hit. But we kind of knew that whatever we hit, we would, you know, get over, under or around. And that's what we did. And we did have things stolen from site. We did overrun a little bit on time. We did, um, you know, have to put security. Oh, no, all the there's loads of things. You know, we forgot to um, tell BT that, um, that, that and didn't ha ever have any um, any infrastructure put in for BT. So it took six months to get Wi-Fi for all of our tenants. You know, which obviously Lloyd was managing at the time. That was a major hassle for him because they couldn't have any kind of Wi-Fi or internet for six months while we waited for the connection. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff like that, but. The point is that we did do it and we did get to it and actually it didn't make £270,000 profit. It, it cleared three hundred and seventy or whatever in the end. So more than we thought. It wasn't the disaster that we'd expected it might be. And, you know, we did show people around that site. And one of the guys we trained maybe two years later, he, um, he sat in our training room and we used that as an example because obviously it's a live site that we'd done. And he sat there and he was just like, oh, I can't believe it, he said. Um, I was actually looking at that site. We bought it from auction. He said, you know, I, before it went to auction, I had that deal. I had an offer accepted. I was buying it and um, I pulled out at the last minute. And we said, why did you pull out? And he said, because um, it was garages, by the way, an, an old set of like derelict garages in the middle of town. He said, it was like hard standing ground and I couldn't work out how I was going to do the drainage. And it was going to be a big problem. And I could see it going over budget and, you know, you know not going to make any money because of this drainage you said how did you um solve all the drainage problems we didn't have any drainage problems you know we didn't we didn't know either at the start how we were going to solve them but we went and did it and um you know i'm not trying to be blase with that but we went and did it and we overcame those fears and he said oh i wish i'd done that one now and then we showed him um a deal that later on in the, the day we showed him a deal that we just secured in milton Keynes, and we're actually developing now and he said you won't believe this he said i had that one as well you know and the point is, he was talking himself self out of deals, and then we we showed him how to overcome that that hurdle, and now he's doing his he's doing loads of developments, and whatever. But the point being, I suppose you can you can talk yourself out of anything if you sort of look at it for long enough. Um, it's very important to do due diligence. I'm certainly not saying it's not, but um, you know, we've certainly learned now, and the people we teach that if you know we educate them the things they should be looking out for, and also give them the confidence to be able to you know, Lloyd's uh, where in fact one of our masterminders is. Is uh, termed a phrase OSM. Lord, what does that mean? Oh shit, moment. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay, which is uh, 
it's a good it's a good moment to have. It's a good point to have. Um, You've got a few of them on ours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get them, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. It's like, oh shit, I've just had an offer accepted. What do I do? And it's that kind of everyone will have them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he coined the phrase and he, he messaged me saying, I've just had no SM. And I was like, oh, SM, like, <laughs> are, we, are we not, do we not know something in development? He said, no, I've had a no shit moment. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I love it. It, it's, it's the moment when it becomes, it goes from theory to actual reality. You know, you get the offer accepted. You, you've got the call with the investor and he's really interested and it's, oh, oh shit, now I've got to do something <laughs> about it, you know. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> No, I mean, we had a oh, shit moment yesterday we, with all the bad wind we've had over the weekend. They built the gable wall and it's cracked, so we're going to have to take it down and redo it. Um, yeah. Oh, shit moment. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I had a similar situation. My uh, my wife's cucumber plant broke in the wind <laughs> yesterday as well. <laughs> I'm feeling for you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we've just gone through lockdown. The property market has reopened. Um, what challenges do you see property developers having over the next six to 12 months, if not longer? Um, I think rather than the challenge, well, there, there's a few challenges that will happen. Obviously, some in terms of the market potentially dropping. Um, I say potentially because we don't know yet, but we can expect maybe 10, 15 percent um, as, a, as a sort of uh, theory. Um, but if we're basing our end values on the theory, then in the long run, it's not going to challenge us too much if we're underestimating now. Um, so it's always worth knowing what potential challenges there will be and how you can overcome them at this point. But I think there's more opportunities at this time than, than potential challenges. Yeah. Um, and I think it is good, like I say, it's good to think of the challenges and, and overcome them. Um, so before going into the opportunities i think obviously surveying is a is a challenge at the moment as even ricks have put in a, a statement to say that values just be careful on what you're valuing um which lenders then interpret and they might not give you the, the full amount or they might not even give you any um so it's kind of that's a, a bit of a, an uncertainty at this time but as you say it is reopening it is relaxing a little bit more um lenders are lending again yeah. some lenders have dropped the loan to values but some have kept them at 75, 80% sometimes. So there is, yeah, with, with, with kind of, kind of the uncertainty, there is opportunity. And I think people do stop and those that stop gives you more, you know, there's more for you to go for really. In regards to end values, obviously people are midway through a build or, you know, if the property prices do drop in six, 12 months when the projects are finished, do you guys kind of factor buffers into your figures? If, if that happens, like what what kind, what do you typically kind of work on? Is it a percentage per property or what What do you guys yeah. do? We always teach um, to not overestimate the GDV, so the, the gross development value, basically. Yeah. Um, never expect it to be a premium. Although we're building new builds, new builds, there is a, a premium as such, which that no one really talks about, but we don't discuss that. We never train that or, or teach that. Um, we always underestimate the end values based on sold prices um, and then maybe knock a little bit more off as well, just in case it does drop. Um, so we're already building that buffer in at the beginning and we're not going to win every site because we are cautious in that sense. Um, we'd never teach someone just to go out and, and yeah, go. If you expect 10% premium, go for it and it, you'll be fine. Um, 
because there might be always that down value. And we're, I think for the last two or three years, we've expected property prices to come down because they are kind of, they were going up and up. Um, so we'd always thought, well, there's got to be a point where it stops. So if that is in 18 months time, we want to be predicting that now. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of, we've estimated that already within our figures and going forward, we're now we're looking, okay, they might drop 10, 15%. Um, but there's, the opportunities are that people probably will sell at 10, 15% lower um, because they need the money in the finance right now. What about things like land contamination? Because that can make a massive impact on, on a build. If you, you know, you find contaminated land, you've got to clear the site. What, what do you do to kind of safeguard yourselves against that on, on projects that you're working on? So um, look, there's always going to be um, a, a cost around things like that um, with development. So we factor in right from the start, even in our initial appraisals, we put in like natural contingencies, we call them. So if it's a, a really early evaluation of a site and we haven't had all the surveys done and all of those things that, um, that you know, we will get obviously before we go get onto the and, and put a spade in the ground on a site, if you like. But if it's an early, uh, we'll, we'll do things like um, we'll allow for all of our lending from day one so as that we know we've got an extra buffer, if you like. Because um, obviously when we draw down, if we've got a million pound facility, we're not going to draw a million pounds down on day one. We're going to do it in stages and tranches. So in an early evaluation, we'll perhaps allow for all of that to be day one. So we know we've got sort of some money in the pot, if you like. So when something comes up, because something will come up, um, then we know we've got, um, we've got money in there. And then once we get a deal accepted, then we'll start commissioning all the surveys to work out what those things are and start allocating the, 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 um, the build cost against it. Um, but the fact is, and we've done it, you know, we, we've been around for a, a few years now. We've done things the right way and we've done things the wrong way. There was a site specifically where, um, you know, we did it the other way around and we commissioned the surveys. We got the valuations on a on a deal that we'd agreed but hadn't secured yet. Um, and it was for 46 flats um, in Northampton. And, you know, once we'd paid 20 grand out on all of these surveys and things like that to, you know, put a line in all of the um, the spreadsheets to make sure that everything was allowed for, the guy went and sold it to someone else because we hadn't actually secured the deal properly at that point. So now the way we do it now is we will we will secure the deal on a subject to planning or subject to survey basis on those kind of figures where we've allowed what we know at that point and a bit of contingency here, there, and everywhere. Then once we get it on a on a secured on that basis, on a, we know that nobody else can whip it from under us. Then we'll you know we'll um, invest into those surveys and making sure that we've got that. But you know that. You're never going to um, cover every base, um, and that's why we put the contingencies in there. Um, but you know, the, the good thing with developments is if you're just if you're a, a single buy to let investor and a boiler goes down, that could be all your profit for a year, couldn't it? You know, it can it can wipe everything out if an unsuspected thing happens. Like that the good thing with development is that you know we'll be aiming for at least twenty five percent. 20 is an absolute minimum. If it slips a little bit, you've got that as profit. And uh, and if you're building ten houses and you've got a, a two and a half million pound GDV, then, you know, that's a good, there's a good chunk of money in there as profit. So if you do get an unforeseen, like a, uh, um, a contamination or something like that, then, you know, you've got a bit of buffer in there, which, you know, you're not into negative straight away. You've got a bit of buffer in there. Obviously, specifically, you mentioned um, contamination there. There are, there is land contamination relief as well. It, it doesn't mean you haven't got to pay for it sometimes, but, you know, you can get it against your tax relief at the back end and you can actually get, uh, contamination relief is 150 percent of what you spend so it can actually be if you can um, understand that fully and make that you know you can actually solve problems on 
on sites that other people don't know how to solve and make a site work what other people can't make work so you know it's again it's about education and knowledge around it no definitely um what about overvalue so obviously a lot of owners of pieces of land overvalue it commercial agents certainly overvalue plots of land um how do you overcome that and do you think the tide is turning um and it's going to come back potentially in our favor oh definitely i think um with land for some reason there just there seems to be a magic it's a magic price and it's worth a million dollars i don't know why i don't use dollars but um, <laughs> but um it's it's basically agents and vendors they think they've got this plot of land and they, they do think it's worth loads and when you do the numbers it's only worth what you can pay for it and it's it's all in the calculations and the figures backwards so if you can get 10 houses on it worth a million pounds end value for for all 10 so they're 100 grand each but the build costs are maybe 500 you've got 500 grand less well in fact you've got profit to make first so you've got gdv of a million take off 25 percent profit which is 250,000, because you can't do a deal without making profit profit either then you've got bill costs of 500,000, so you've you've basically got 250 grand left and that is um to include your interest costs your purchase for land and things in there. So you might end up paying 200 grand for the site. That site is only worth 200 grand because you've got the build, which you can't, you've got to build something to make it worth something. You've got the end value of a million. That's You can't make it more than that or less than that, but you can make it less. But um, And the profit is the only thing you could change, but you don't want to do things for less than 20% profit. So that land is worth 200, 200 250 grand. Lord, um, there's but, a much easier way of doing that. You're making that really complicated because you know, oh, there was an agent, <laughs> an agent who told me the other day that third, 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 you do it, third for your profit, third for your bill cost, third, and that works every time. All agents <laughs> talk about it. It must be true. It must be true. <laughs> I heard you talk about this the other day. I'm laughing. <laughs> what a load of bollocks. Anyone listening right now, do not listen to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's how they do it isn't it you know we laugh about it but agents you know people trust an agent because oh they're, they're an agent they must know what they're talking about but you know they're not used to, you know there's so many agents you go and speak to about land and you can you can see it plain as day they get a gdv gross development value of what the houses be worth and they just split it third 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 and that's that's how and we go in and teach them that the right way to do it and they're like oh oh right you know it's just it just doesn't stack up at all you know maybe for in the 60s for a one house build with a, a local builder or something like that it worked once and then that's it that's it forever sometimes you can actually work the figures back and see that they've done it on a third 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 and you're like it just doesn't work like that <laughs> um but the, the way we go about and teach people how to do it is how to actually put a compelling offer forward so yeah. even if they've got no build experience or no development experience at all the way that we teach people how to offer makes them very compelling and that they well, nine times out of ten they either get a deal or they get given other deals because of that one that one pack yeah so we spoke about um obviously challenges so what opportunities do you guys see um in the coming months i think um that if you if you look at um obviously we've gone through a bit of a tough time at the moment and uh, you know, this all came across us really quickly you know nobody had a year to plan for this nobody knew that it was going to come from six months away even and you know if i look at my own experience with it within you know within a pretty much a week of realizing how serious this was going to be um 
then we were in lockdown. You know, I didn't have a load of foresight about it. I don't really watch the news, to be honest, and all that kind of thing. I find it quite negative. And, you know, I think that, yeah, I think specifically where we're at now, we've just had that um, that report with the, the Cummings guy who's gone up the country and whatever. And everyone has just talked about that for like the last two days. Absolutely, you know, I don't, it's just an absolute waste of time in my, my eyes. I don't know, that's a prime example of why I don't watch the news because it just, it's just recycled and recycled and recycled and doesn't move forward. So, um, so this came across as really quickly and, you know, it took a lot of people by surprise. And, but I think that, you know, we're in a bit of a, more of a positive spin out the back end of it now. And I think it's really refreshing to see, and it's pleasing that the, see that the government is really backing the housing industry and the, the property market. It's been one of their, They've obviously highlighted it as a, a key driver for helping the economy recover from this. I think that some of the um, some of the sort of funds that they've put in with the the coronavirus business interruption loan and the the bounce back loans and the furlough scheme absolutely fantastic to do that for such an amount of people and different employments so quickly. I, I found phenomenal, um, and you know that's helped a lot of businesses. As Lloyd said, there's a lot of opportunity to come out of it. But I think you know for me. I, you know, as I said, I started Redbox in 2007 and, you know, you didn't know that that was going to be a massive recession for the next probably five or six years. And a lot of people have said to me in the past that, you know, how did you start a building company up at the start of a recession like that? And, you know, I, it was just normal to me. I didn't realize it was any different to anything, anything else. And I've reflected on that a lot over the years. And I think if I'd have started it up three or four years earlier when times were really good and it was really easy to make money and, you know, you end up with a fleet of vans and, big offices and staff that you probably don't need and then you hit 2007 that's when you hit a problem actually starting in 2007 2008 you you run a business in quite a lean manner because you you know you can't afford to do it any other way and you get taught the right lessons in business right from the start and you know that's the way I would see coming off this as well that you know there will be opportunities with land there will be people who need to release cash and capital who couldn't do it before so there will be affordable um uh, plots of land and offices people have learned how to work on zoom and you know teams at home so they perhaps won't need big offices like they did before so that'll all filter through as well and i think that it's an opportunity for people to maybe reflect and simplify things a little bit more and not get so complicated and have all those material things around them that they probably didn't need in the first place and you know just sort of boil it boil it back to basics a little bit and start and you know properties about foundations build a, a big strong foundation in your businesses and your developments and and, and start from the, the bottom up and you know i see this as a if you've managed to survive this long then this is a great opportunity to be able to come out the back of it i think so obviously you guys have got the land sourcing academy um could you share with people who are watching or listening um how your because there's nine ways i've heard lloyd talk about to source land do you mind running through them now, not in detail, obviously, um, and then maybe just kind of give us a bit more detail around one um, that people could do from the home, um, like starting now? Yeah, absolutely. And this, the kind of lockdown for us um, forced us to, to bring out our online education. Uh, I know a lot of people that were educators and were doing face-to-face classroom went online, which is kind of the, the only thing you could have done at that point. Um, but we've been talking about this for probably two years, but because we love the face-to-face interaction with people and meeting people, we never did it. Um, so it kind of forced us to, to do something. Um, and the one thing that we thought there's going to be masses of opportunities coming up is land uh, and commercial deals. We kind of predicted and saw that was going to happen um, very early on. And 
I sort of created the land sourcing academy um, on the back of him. In, in fairness, I, had, I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I just knew that we knew how to, t- uh, to source land and find deals and teach people how to do it. Uh, and what I wanted to do was I could see that we we're going to be in lockdown for a while. I could see that a lot of people are going to be locked in their own houses. Um, and the only thing they could have done is jumped on a computer and found opportunities that way. So what I wanted to do was create a, an academy which was eight weeks long. Um, that was going to be every Sunday I'd, I would be delivering the, the training and teaching people um, how to find land and opportunities. Uh, and that started pretty much, I think it was the 28th of March. Um, I'm going to do it with some evenings now, Lloyd. Yeah, I know. It was, it was, it was awesome. Um, but, but we started on the, yeah, say the 28th of March and every week, just step by step, I was teaching people how to go out and find deals. Um, but what I was doing was recording the modules to now be evergreen going forward. So anyone listening to this now can start that that training now and have the nine, well, I said eight weeks, it's actually nine weeks, so I added a bonus week at the end. Um, so it's now a nine week training academy that um, all the videos have been done, they've been filmed, but I did it live to show people as well how to do it. Um, and the opportunities that have come out of that is there are gonna be people that need money at this point. Um, Andy mentioned that there's businesses that suddenly we've gone from flying to not being able to do anything and probably will um, or have kind of gone into liquidation and, and, and maybe dissolved at this point. So there are people that potentially will require funds. Um, the businesses that were running probably were sat on equity or were sat on assets like property. So for us to go in and buy those property or the units uh, only helps us uh, as developers but helps the people that were selling the units or owned the units get money and become a bit liquid now because I think a lot of people will realize that they do need to be a bit liquid and have some cash uh, lying around for anything like this to happen in the future um, so for us to come in I think there will be opportunities there uh, in terms of offices well we've all been working from home for eight weeks ten weeks I think there will be businesses as well that realize they don't need the overhead of an office so there will be offices that are available to convert. Um, and at the time, at this at the time of this recording, we are still able to do permitted development, converting offices into residential units. Yeah. So there's, there could be a good opportunity there as well. Um, you talked about the nine ways to find land. Um, there's just to highlight them. There's um, websites which you can do from the comfort of your own home. That's Right Move, Zoopla, um, things like that. The ways we taught and the biggest way that I think a lot of people can do is the Google map search. Uh, And you could be anywhere in the world, looking anywhere in the world. And the beauty that you've got with Google is they do aerial view and street view. So you can only, you're as good as Google is updated as well. So if it's out of date, then unless you're driving around the town and the the city, you can't actually see what's what's been built. Um, But there's kind of when you know what you're looking for, it's very easy to spot and identify plots of land that way. Um, there's auctions, um, word of mouth, driving around, which at the moment we can't do, but when we can, we can get out and drive around or walk or cycle. Um, there's sources of people that are finding deals and selling them on, um, architects, builders, solicitors, those kind of people, uh, as well. So there's, there are plenty of opportunities out there. It's just being active and finding them they're never going to come to you if you just sit on your ass and do nothing (laughs) got to go out and find something i know my dog meal accounts through the roof (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> after that last that about um, academy we've just done. Um, That's the thing. We've got all these tools to help us. Like Docmail is sending a letter without even leaving your your chair. I so, love Docmail. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Um, obviously, you guys have seen a lot of people wanting to get into development. Maybe haven't achieved that um, for one way, one thing or another. And people who have been massively successful. Do you believe there's a certain type of person that can succeed in development? Or do you think people can condition themselves to do it? Because it's not easy. It's It can be pretty tough. Yeah, I, I personally think anyone can do developments, but I don't think it is for everyone. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the conditioning. Like, um, people that maybe as soon as there's a challenge, they, they give up. Developments is not for them. Um, you you will face challenges. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And we're, we're the first ones to tell you that it it's not the easiest strategy to do but it's very rewarding. So those that we've seen have been successful, have gone through the challenges and we've helped a lot of them through those challenges. That's kind of what we offer the, the mentoring and support. Um, so we help them through those challenges and we get, get over the next the challenge and hit the next one. Um, I know Nick, our project manager, he was talking about developments as being a, a hurdle race where you you come up with a hurdle and you've got to get over it and then you come to the next one, you've got to get over it. It's, okay. it's very much like that. One, you might clatter through it, but you still get through it. Um, so it's it anyone i'll say anyone can do it the way we teach people is very um step by step and we try and teach it in a way that is is easy to understand um but at the end of the day you're never going to sort of become a developer unless you actually go out and try it um so you can learn everything under on the internet you can learn everything we teach but if you don't go and actually put it into practice you're never going to find out but putting it into practice be wary because you will face a challenge and obviously that's why we we created the mastermind support program to help people through those challenges because if we can get through them together we can help each other and at the end we can yeah there's a reward for for our students and mentees as well i think just to just to add to that as well from my point of view um i think that what we see is it's not always the people that you think are going to be really successful are the ones who are successful. And, you know, our challenges, mentors and, and teachers of developments um, is like any other subject is, you know, we have to mold the way we teach things around that person. And, you know, to, to sort of talk about a couple of demographics, I suppose, you know, you'll get, um, you, you could get someone who's come from the corporate world and they're used to, you know, analyzing everything, going through their spreadsheets and, and, you know, absolutely going through every detail and they might sort of overthink things and get in their own way and, you know, struggle to sort of pull the trigger when they find the right deal and all those kind of things. Cause they just, they need every box to be ticked if you like. And sometimes they hold themselves up. So sometimes we have to sort of declutter that for them and give them the confidence and the mindset to, you know, and, and absolutely look through everything with them to give them the confidence to actually make the offer or go through with the development but it doesn't mean they can't do it it just means that they need that support in that way whereas um on the flip side of that we might see someone who's come up through the trades and you know maybe just um you know maybe they've uh, like myself a carpenter or a, a, a bricklayer or you know a, a plumber or something like that and they'll just they won't overthink it they won't try and think you know, a hundred steps down the road of what's going to hit them. They just see what's in front of them and they'll, they'll take that challenge on and solve that challenge and hit it head on. And then they'll literally come to us and say, right, what's next? And, you know, they'll come to their mastermind the next month or whatever. And right, what's next? And then we'll give them, you know, the next five steps and they'll just go away that month and smash those five steps. Cause they're not actually trying to think of anything outside those five steps, but 
you know, quite often we'll see that they'll be the ones who progress the quickest because they're they're just literally seeing what's in front of them, smashing through it, and then finding the next challenge. They're all they've all got the capability of doing it, but it's just they need different things to help them along. Now, I think the the characteristic which ties them together, if they're going to be successful or not, is that tenacity and the drive and the you know the 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 attitude never to quit and just to keep going. And both sort of demographics of people can definitely have that. All demographics of people can have it. But as Lloyd said, if they haven't got that tenacity and drive to just keep smashing through the, the barriers and challenges, then they'll give up. And if you give up, then it doesn't matter. You know, you, you just, you're not going to succeed. And that's the, that's when we see people who are, uh, who perhaps that aren't successful in it. Um, Obviously, you guys, I'm assuming you've done lots of mindset and worked on your personal development. Is there anything that really um, you that stuck out in your mind? Anything that you do on a daily like daily basis that helps you be ready for what you're going to do um, and change what's evolved your mindset um, over these years? Who's doing that one? <laughs> <laughs> You, you go first. Both, yeah. <laughs> so, um, look, you know, I think when we first started out, you know, we were just really busy. You know, I um, when I had my building company, you know, I I was kind of a bit of a busy fool, rushing around, trying to manage everything, trying to sort of be in control of everything. And I've learned to sort of step back from that, give our team everything's about team and autonomy, and giving them the the um, the autonomy to sort of fail forward and learn themselves and not trying to make every decision for them. And, you know, we're, we're better off because of that and our team's better off because of that. Um, but we didn't do it in year one and two. It was, you know, we, we got to grips with that first. And then certainly over the last two or three years, we've, we've definitely moved a lot more onto our own health, fitness routines um, and, and all of that kind of thing. And, and we're much better for it. You know, we were, you know, we, we were pretty fat bastards a couple of years ago, weren't we? <laughs> <laughs> For the first four years of our journey, you know. And um, you Even know, the pictures you the used start... to advertise this. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think, you know, the start of last year, 2000 and uh, what was that, 2018, um, you know, we, we had a bit of a word with ourselves. And, um, you know, we're, we're probably, probably a couple of stone lighter. And, um, you know, we're, we're very into sort of routines, especially morning routines. You know, we have vision statements that we've written and that's the sort of thing we do in our retreats we go to Croatia Bali and teach people all the mindset side of things and, and all you know the visionary side of it um we know sort of exactly where we are and and to be fair we've probably reflected on that a little bit with the experience we've just gone through with COVID as I'm sure many people are um but you know I still I'm still heavily on to getting up really early in the morning I found CrossFit so I, I exercise at least once if not a couple of times a day and that's sort of really good for clarity of mind and all that kind of stuff and I think you start to realize that it's not just about um, getting fit or stronger or anything like that. It's, it's fitness of the mind as well you know just the clarity and you know for me that couple of hours that early in the morning before things start getting busy and 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 even the day heating up and all that kind of stuff, you get so much more productivity. And so, yeah, we're sort of big advocates in that, in that whole mind side of it now, yeah, mindset. Did you find it hard to get into a routine from not having anything? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's the same with anything. You've, it's, you've got to just get through the, um, I, I was kind of thinking the word is um, the tiredness of trying to do things. It's like, You've got to get a habit, haven't you? You've got to form a habit. Um, and you've got to just tell yourself, right, I'm doing this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And then suddenly it becomes sort of second nature. And you think, well, actually, it's not it's not that bad. And it, and like waking up in the morning early. People just hate the idea of getting up early. Well, it's amazing. Like when you get up at 
six o'clock rather than seven o'clock, you've saved an hour, you've made an hour. In that hour, like for me, for example, um, at six o'clock, I, I used to go to CrossFit when it was open um, and with Andy and we used to just do a, a sort of a workout session there. And I'm driving home at sort of five past seven when people are waking up and I know I've already done a workout. So internally, it already makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, so knowing that, that other people are getting up and um, kind of not wasting the hour, but just yeah. not doing anything with that hour. Um, it, it does sort of drive in, obviously, exercises, scientific reasons to do exercise as well. And it's, it makes you feel good as well. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed that side of the routine which has only come in for the last year at least um and kind of realizing that actually you're yeah, doing that on a regular basis and being consistent with it gets results a lot of people start for a week and two weeks and think well i haven't lost any weight yet and then it's like, well, yeah. and it's, it kind of you've got to just keep going and keep going and then it's a it's a long period of time that you see the results so um it's the same with developments as well and a lot of people think they can get into developments overnight and they'll get a site next week and uh, it's maybe six months down the line until you actually get an offer accepted, which people, a lot of people, and I think social media is something to blame as well. People want instant results and instant feedback and instant um, rewards and things um, where it's not like that in development. So. I've got a couple of tips on, on that actually, um, on the whole routine side of it. Um, so basically I, I'll tell you how it started for me and how I kept myself on track because yeah. you know, it really worked for me. So start of last year, um, you yeah, know, I was probably, I was probably about 17 stone at that point, you know, and, and that's not, you know, I'm quite a big guy, six foot two, broad shoulder and whatever. So I could, I can kind of carry 17 stone. There's a lot of heavier people than that, but that's kind of it. That was at my limit where I was a bit like, Look, you know, I'm not feeling too great about myself. So um, I, you know, I decided that I think people get a bit hooked on sugary stuff and all that, you know, that's why they, they find it difficult to sustain these things. They sort of crave it and whatever. So I thought to myself, I came off New Year and said, right, I'm going to, I did a three day fast, which you know, not everyone has to do a three day fast, but fasting is really good for you. Intermittent fasting, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you don't know about it, have a look into it. You don't have to do three days, but I wanted to get off the cravings of sugar. So I did three days that put me in a positive mindset and I felt good after myself quite quickly after three days. And then I just committed to doing say 10 days, you know, where, you know, I felt good and I wanted to keep that, that, that train going, if you like. Mm. Um, and then I, I got that to, and, and once I've done 10 days and did another two weeks, once you've done a month, you start to actually physically see a difference and you feel really good about yourself. If you can be strict for a month, then um, I, I actually recorded a video for myself like of that journey over the month and how good I felt at that point and that, you know, the, the results I've got, because I think the most important point that people need is a feedback loop. So you need start pictures. Nobody wants to take start pictures because they feel horrible about themselves at the start, but that's a real key benchmark because that's how you were when you felt really crap and that's how you looked and you can document at that point, how you felt at that point. And then if you can stick together for a month, You've broken the back of it because then you can do a video on photos to say, actually, after a month and a month's not that long, this is how I feel and this is how good I feel about myself. And I did myself literally like a two minute video. And I, I you know, I, it, the video, the point of it was for when I felt those cravings to come off the wagon, if you like, because everyone gets it. There's nobody who gets away with that. And the point was I could watch that video then. And it was me telling myself, you know, don't eat the bloody biscuits that you want to eat or whatever else. Cause you know, that's what got you there in the first place. And you're only going to feel crap in a day or two. And 
because I trust myself because you know I, you know I, I I know that I've worked hard for that to get to that point um actually I never fell off the wagon and then you can update that and you know within two or three months I've got to you know I, I'm sitting here now at what 14 and a half stone that's you know two and a half stone less than I was at the start of last year but not only that I'm you know because I, I work out every day I'm you know physically much fitter I'm a lot stronger I'm just a completely different person to what I was um, you know that, that and I'll never go back from that because once you can sustain that routine for a decent period of time and keep, you know I literally I track um, I, I, I'm a lot further along with that now I track macros I track weight and all that okay. kind of stuff but I can I can look at what weight I was before I went to Bali last year and you know all the what happened around that so I've got that it's really important to have that kind of feedback loop but it starts with just literally chunking it down having that 10 days and then that month and then you can build from there do you use an app or something to track that like my fitness pal or something like that going off uh, yeah. going off piece <laughs> well no i think it's important this is again the foundation of everything isn't it so um uh, yeah i use my fitness pal to um literally put down you know what what you eat in a day if you like and then that gives you your the macros of all that but that does all the work for you basically but then i use really just a simple spreadsheet to put that data into and then um the good thing with that, though, once you've done that just for a few weeks, um, you can then, like I say, you can see your progress. And if you can see your progress, then you can, you know, it's easier not to fall off the wagon. Or if you do, because everyone has a couple of bad days, but then they compound it and say, well, I've, I've, I'll do it again next week or whatever. And then next week never comes. And before you know it, you're back to where you started, aren't you? And then it's too much hassle to start again. So nobody starts again. So and then it, you just go around that sort of that loop. Yeah. Oh, you're well, muted, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, I say every diet starts on a Monday. <laughs> yeah, mine never starts tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. Yeah. Um, what about mindset? So is there any like books or audio books that have really resonated with you? That's kind of been a bit of a light bulb moment, so to speak. Yeah, we've been, um, ever since we started business together, we've we've kind of helped each other with audibles and shared an audible account and i've read one and andy's read the same thing so we always kind of learn together as well um the the book that kind of sits in my head and my mind a lot in a couple of them actually is um mind over money by um oh, completely claudia hammond claudia hammond thank you um that's a great book just in the, the psychology of money yeah. and where one person thinks 100 pound is not a lot of money another person thinks it is a lot of money but it's it's all on the kind of perception of, of money as well and it's it's really interesting read um the other one i really liked and found fascinating is elon musk yeah. um and the kind of the story that he went through because he, he's gone through the challenges just like any business person but i think a lot of people kind of see what people are doing now and they don't realize what they've been through what they've done yeah. um and i love reading kind of the, the how people have become who they are because I like to see the struggles they've gone through because it kind of makes us realize that we are the same no, they've just fine. what what they've done is what we talked about earlier and just kept going and been tenacious and and not not worried about the challenge but sort of worried about how to solve it I've got a couple so on that on that same sort of vein um well I can't go without talking about David Goggins I know he gets talked about a lot in no I, world. I love I love yeah. that I, I did the audio oh. book a little bit yeah, no, it can't hurt me, David Goggins. That's one of the instrumental ones for both of us that gave us that attitude last year that kept us going as well. Um, absolutely brilliant. 
Um, and also one that we really liked um, was Shoe Dog by um, Phil Knight, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, he was the guy who yeah set up Nike basically or Nike, however you want to say it. And um, uh, again, those autobiographical sort of accounts of people who you know all these people went through the same, just like Lloyd just said, they, they they all went through the same struggles and showed that tenacity and all that kind of stuff. Nobody's a success overnight. You know, people see the end result. They don't see the struggle. And that's what we like to sort of, it It, it just reminds you that, um, that yeah, that's definitely that everybody goes through it. But in lockdown, actually, I've got into quite a lot of sort of um, the military style autobiographies as well. You know, just seeing all that, that military kind of the way they look at things. And again, that feedback loop and, you know, go on a mission and then debrief on it all and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've been getting into a few of those sorts of things. You mentioned um, the audible version of uh, Goggins as well. So Can't Hurt Me is the book. Um, but that was very much in a podcast style where they kind of interview and David talks to the, the I can't think of the guy's name that narrates it, but um, that's had an influence on us as well um, because we're we're launching the Project Management Masterclass, which Andy and Nick are doing. Yeah. Um, and they're the build side to the business. But we said, well, let's do it like Goggins. Let's do it like that, where it's uh, more of a narrative podcast style and delivers the content i liked it yeah it's really good and like everything we're doing has been influenced by the people and this is what we want to try and do and influence others to copy what we're doing yeah so while we're on a bit like talking about personal stuff um what are your personal visions going forward um we'll talk about where you want white box to go after but what's what's the end goal for you to what where do you want to get to one of my visions is to travel to every single country in the world um and i set it as a target like that i want to literally tick up every country off i've got the scratch map to try and tell me where i've been um even like like random countries i, I want to go and visit because i like ever since i was a kid I've, I've been i suppose i've been well traveled in terms of uh, my parents took me to nice places as a kid and I, i've always liked going away and seeing other cultures um and that's something I've, I've always had a passion for. So for me, developments are great. They they get you to where you want to be, but the rewarding part of it is it, it does allow you to do what you want to do. So things like traveling, for me, let's say it's, it's something that's up there. And the reasons we do retreats is because, again, it's kind of going somewhere okay. away. And it's part of my why that I like to go out somewhere and go away somewhere. Um, and if we can share that with other people as well, fantastic. Um, I think that, um, you know, I'd like to build another house. You know, I'm in the house I built in 2012. But, um, you know, like, I think that there's so many more things I want to do with that. But I think Lloyd yesterday did a, a video on YouTube, which just came out um, last night of our 2019. His, it was his own. I didn't even know he'd done it until it came out. His own um, 10 sort of top or top 10 uh, memories from last year, if you like. And there was a video for each one. And it really, when I watched it, it really hit home you know, how much we did last year. And I said to Lloyd earlier, actually, in one of our calls with some of our mentees, that um, that it really, although we're developers and all that kind of thing, all of those memories were from what we think we'd done with the community. There were our summer parties, our, you know, our retreats, our things. And 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 it just makes you realise that the community that we've built, how much we enjoy it and how much we give. And I actually said to Lloyd earlier, people say to us, well, why do you, why, why do you train people? Like, you know, if you're developers, why do you even bother, you know, teaching people and training people? And what they don't understand is the what we get from personally from that community of people around us. You know, the property developer secrets at the time of recording this is 
what sixteen and a half thousand people is it something like that um there's there's um you know and they're all people around us and we didn't have that when i was a a carpenter working on my own in in a van i didn't have all that around me and the opportunity that gives us to create those memories and memories with a family and all that kind of things that's that's just phenomenal um and i think yeah that's what we really enjoy i think that lockdowns probably simplified things for me a little bit in the way that you know we've already got that around us and all i want to do you know I've really enjoyed this time in many ways, being at home and, and whatever else. And to to add a bit more of that going out and seeing our extended family, if you like, I don't think we need a lot more than that, really. You know, we can just enjoy <laughs> ourselves going through and carry on doing some sites like we do and, and whatever else. I think that, you know, life can be pretty simple, really. And what about your business? So where do you see that? What's, what's your um, plans, end goal? Do you want to go global <laughs> what's next for you guys in business i'd say we're already global we've got people in new zealand doing our training so hey! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to lockdown <laughs> so um no it's for, for me the vision of white box it, it just came about kind of not accidentally because we we decided to train people um but we very much started by just showing people what we did to start with like the first time we did how we did it um as we progressed, as we got more and more, we did a lot more training and we're teaching more people. And we've always had the whole philosophy that we want to make more uh, people more money than they ever pay us. And as a business, if that can, if we can carry on doing that and they pay us 10 grand, but they earn hundred grand from our training, that for us is perfect. That's what we want business to be about. Um, for, for what we're looking at in white box, I do want it to be a big training company. I, would, I do want to help people become developers um whether that's us in a few years time don't know um but kind of the idea of it is we want to teach as long as we can um and we're enjoying it we loved it a couple of years ago we decided maybe we could step down and step away from it but we absolutely love it so yeah. why would we stop doing something we absolutely love and as andy said last year was one of the best years of my life and it was because of the the kind of training that we've done and the community we've built up um why would i want to try and stop that right now so yeah, at the moment, it, it's something that we want to continue. You can see in the background, Lloyd, Lloyd there, that, you know, that's some of the companies we've built over the last, well, as we said, it's only been six years. Um, we've got yellow box, purple box, white box, green box, red box. It doesn't even show some of the others. We've also got, uh, what others? We've got black box. Um, we've got SPVs, a special purpose vehicle. Yeah, blue box. We've got, um, we've got you know, different companies to the sites. I think there's about 20 at the minute. Um, you know, and we didn't, that wasn't a vision. We didn't have that as a vision. It's just, they've all just um, come about because there's been a need for them as we've gone along. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, it's the whole we are... ready fire aim mentality, isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, if you're ready, go for it. Then you work out what you've done and how you can get around it. I must admit, I say yes and try and work out to do it after. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we very, um, sort of, early on last year we came up we well not came up we, we um, had um brendan hall who was a around the world yachtsman um and he did the clipper race i can't remember the year 2005 i think it was or something, or 2015 um but he basically came up with the saying that does it make you uh, does it make your boat go faster or his him and a team had that and we thought well we could relay that to the business like we used to be the yes 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 we'll do that and we became busy fools doing that yeah. and then we thought actually no let's 
let's only do the stuff that we believe will take our business and us to the next level. Like, will it make our business go faster? Will it make, uh, will it reach, can we reach our goals quicker by doing this? If it does, we'll do it. If it doesn't, we won't do it or we'll park it for now. It's funny you say that. I feel like um, this ta- this lockdown times made me think like that. Like, stop saying yes to all of these things and it's taking you away from your end goal. Um, so lockdown for me in that respect has been really good because we've, we've scrapped a lot of things that we are going to do and shouldn't really be doing really because it's not really a benefit to what we're, the end goal we want to get to. So, yeah, I think lockdown as well has had a bit of... Um, quite a, opened a lot of people's eyes of what what's really important like you were saying Andy you know you're spending time with your family and um yeah I think um it's definitely a game changer that's it mm, lockdown love <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> well guys thank you so much for today I really appreciate it it's been a fabulous uh, interview and chatting to you I really appreciate your time um I'll put your obviously details in um, the podcast so people who are listening online um, can get hold of you, find out more about your training and connect with you on social media. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Laura. Great. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.